Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is October the 26th, 2023. I'm an Erie PA. You are watching Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and this is Father Larry Richards. Welcome. It's good to have you. So, the first thing we need to do is pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O oh, Father, great God of love and mercy, we ask you to send your Spirit upon us, to lead us, to guide us, to let us help us to be people of hope, that we may search your will, seek your will, do your will all the days of our life, so that we can hear from you one day, well done, good and faithful servants, and live in your presence forever. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, welcome. Uh, sorry we missed you last week. We were flying back from, um, <laughs> I was in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh which was quite interesting when I was in Montgomery um, because I, I talked about it on Sunday. I was uh, approached by someone and asked about the rapture and if I believed in the rapture uh, as I was getting on the plane to get to Montgomery and, the, and it was five minutes before boarding and he starts with me and I says, no, I don't believe in the rapture. I believe there'll be a rupture before the rapture and he pulled out his phone and... Um, he said, well, it says it right here. So he put, it was already on his phone. The scripture verse was already there. So before he came over to talk to me, he had brought it up. So he was trying to trap me like they were trying to trap Jesus on Sunday in the gospel. And so, uh, and I just said, sir, you know, it was started in the 19th century. No one talked about it before. And he goes, what about Enoch? And I says, okay, I'm not going to argue with you about this stuff. Why don't we focus on what we agree on, huh? that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we're saved by grace, and I will go to heaven by the grace of Jesus. And he goes, yeah, okay, but I know you believe that, but how about this? And then I, he just wouldn't stop, so I really uh, went at him and just talked about, well, let's talk about uh, uh, salvation. Let's talk about, and Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And he says, Oh, that's just a teaching. No, it's not a teaching. Let's go back to uh, the John uh, where it sits there. The word flesh is sarks in the Greek, S-A-R-X. It's a hunk of meat. The early church believed it. Everyone believed it. Martin Luther believed it. Everyone believed it. It wasn't until now that people don't believe that stuff uh, because when they stopped having faddily ordained priests, they could no longer have the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. So then we just changed the teaching. But it's always believed in that. So then he says, why are you getting mad? And it, it's true, I, I, I was getting mad. Um, I've had a couple angry outbursts these last uh, couple weeks for various things. And so when I see my shrink today and I tell him, you know, I got mad. Because, again, that's why I go to him, because my anger outbursts. And, um, yeah, I know. It's just part of the reality. Again, Father has issues. In case anybody ever wonders, it's just, yes, issues. Anyway, so we are going to, as I talked about before, we're going to be doing, um, I'm going to be having Estovir. Estovir, E-S-T-O-V-I-R. It means be a man. And uh, we're going to start a podcast for men. So I'll be focusing more on that. We'll still do the Anchored in Hope. But I'm mostly known for... Um, my dealing with men and men's conferences and everything else. And so I need to do something for them also. Because um, even when I bring people on, I tried to, again, we tried to meet with Justin today, Fatika, and um, again, we froze three times. So you, you could go back and look at that original thing that I had 15 minutes with him. Um, and then we just kept freezing. And then we met another time and, just kept freezing, and then today we thought, you know, all this different stuff, it won't freeze, and it froze solid. Uh, so we're getting a new um, internet provider 
here and get fiber uh, optic net work and uh, hopefully we'll start being able to do this stuff because I really want to spend time um, really focus on masculinity, what it is, uh, what it means to be a man, what it means to not just only be a man, but to be a Christian man, um, what that looks like, how we can be that, you know, uh, whether being a man is to cry out freedom in that uh, movie, uh, one of my uh, good friends, Father Rich Tui, that was one of the things that got him to go to seminary in that, uh, what the heck's the movie called, um, um, with Mel Brooks, and he cries out, uh, oh, Braveheart. And so when he cries out, freedom, okay, is that what a man, masculinity is? And in some ways, yes, um, is it, uh, you know, David battling uh, hair, I mean, the, the giant and killing him? Yes, that's what it is. But ultimately, what it means to be a man, the God of the universe became one for us to show us what fully what it is to be human and fully what it is to be a man and the fullness of masculinity, if you will, but not just masculinity, but the fullness of masculinity is the cross. That is uh, the call of what men are called to be, to lay down their lives for God and for others. And it's, uh, I gave a talk years ago to a bunch of uh, uh, high school kids on a confirmation retreat. It got to be 32 years ago. And I lost it on a kid. And this uh, person did a prophecy on me and sent it. And I still go back to it every once in a while because it really rung true. And she says... Uh, you're one of these people that want to talk about death and talk about, you know, giving it all up for Jesus, but it will not be that way with you. She said, you will live a long life and you'll, uh, it's gonna, and you're going to touch people. It'll be amazing. And it's going to be, um, I'm going to be, as I get older, more uh, docile. Can you imagine? Um, but again, I talk about like a martyrdom, but it, it isn't a martyrdom of dying once for Jesus. It's a martyrdom of every day dying for Jesus, dying for our, to our wants, dying to our needs, for the good of another, for the good of God. And so that's what we'll be exploring with the new, I'll do a new background and everything because this is not the right background for uh, be a man thing. So it's going to be a different context. I won't do any of those alone. Every one I will do with somebody. Um, and we'll talk about masculinity and what that looks like. And so just to let you know, that'll be coming. So none of that will be live. It'll always be recorded and put out because uh, when I'm dealing with uh, guests like that, it's going to be when it's going to work for them and guests literally from all over the world. So I want to make sure that um, I can do it on times with them. And so we'll just see how that works. And I think it'll be, and I also need to, with the foundation, we need to start reaching younger people. Uh, there's a lot of you that watch, and most of you are my age or older, you know, and so um, gives you time, you know, wherever you're at. And that's fine, absolutely fine. But I don't want to be able to miss the young and uh, make sure they're coming to know Christ and the fullness of truth. And so we got to make sure that we go and meet them where they are and talk about, especially today, when the very concept of being a man or being a woman is very skewed. And it's very, um, it's argued over. It's not self-evident to so many people. And we got to be able to say what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman without condemning everybody. Huh? Sometimes people say, well, everybody else is just, you know, and it, you know whatever. Um, and so the people that uh, agree with you and the people agree with me and they go into, we go all go into our echo chambers and the only ones that listen to us are the people that agree to with us. And um, that's not bringing people to Christ. I think we need to at least, I feel that my call is, is to bring people who don't know Christ to Christ. That's been the whole purpose of my foundation from the beginning, to bring people to an intimacy with Christ, and not just an intimacy, but a repentance of giving their hearts, their lives, their souls to Jesus. Um, and so 
I'll try anything to get people where they need to be. So again, just to give you a heads up, I gave you a heads up on that a little bit ago, but I wanted to give you a heads up again. Um, I want to, a couple questions came in and I wanted to, to, to deal with them. Uh, the one is about, um, oh, that new movie coming out, that uh, After Death movie. And uh, it's been all over the internet, and especially on Facebook. I mean, uh, people have been saying to me, Father, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, um, and, it, and so someone uh, emailed and says, um, Father, is, is this in line with the teaching of the church? And the reality is, I have no idea because it's not out yet. And so if it's not, I'm seeing if it's here, um, if it's not out, then I can't make any judgments. It looks interesting when it, uh, when it gives you the little thing online, you know, so um, after death, after death, after death, after death trailer, experience after death on the big screen. And so... Here it just talks about again and again. It's the same people that put out uh, a lot of those other good uh, the people put out chosen and all that kind of stuff. And so it just talks about people's experience uh, after they have died. So I don't know yet because it isn't out. It comes out in a couple days. Again, I'm a big one about uh, well, let's see. You know, it's put out by a, a, a Christian group. So I'm guessing it would be uh, Christian, but again, I can't do it until I see it. So uh, if you want to watch it, watch it. Uh, pray to the Holy Spirit before you watch anything like that for the gift of discernment that you uh, don't just, and that's what any movie or doing anything, you ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. I never want to uh, be one of those people. I'll never forget when I was young, I was watching Mother Angelica. And uh, the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, came out. And uh, I had read the book, and I thought the book was phenomenal. And because it was talking about uh, right before Jesus died, the devil gave him a temptation that he doesn't have to die, that he could live a life of uh, be married and have kids and all this stuff. And he tempted Jesus with all this. And then, if she, of course, Jesus rejected it, and he accepted the Father's will. And I always thought that was fantastic. Now, I get it that you can't uh, tempt Jesus internally, all this kind of stuff. I get all that stuff. But to me, it was a young seminarian, and I just thought, huh, it was just good. He was like us in all things, but sin and temptation isn't sin. But I get, I get the arguments. That's beside the point. But watching Mother Angelica, she, I don't know if she ever saw the movie or not to tell you the truth, but she says, I do know if any of you go to see that movie, God will punish you. <laughs> I have never seen the movie <laughs> because I was petrified that God would punish me because Mother Angelica said he would until this very day. So I don't want to be that and tell you, don't watch this or watch this or God will punish you. Those days of me saying that kind of stuff, is they're over. Uh, I think, anyway, it depends how mad I get one day. So, you just got to sit there and um, uh, make up your own mind, but make sure you pray to the Holy Spirit first and see, okay? The second thing I want to talk about, I preached about it at the... Um, I preached about it at my Mass on Sunday also. And again, it's part of the reality of this new book by the Catholic bishop, who's a very conservative bishop, um, called Credo. And so people have been um, you know, talking a lot about it. We, uh, I had some people that sat there and says about how we need to be pushing this and everything else. And I'm a big one. I said, no, it's not our job to be pushing any kind of, um, any kind of book like this. And, and they sat there and says, because it says, this is just from Amazon, it's the most up-to-date catechism in print. 
For the first time in over 50 years, a Catholic bishop has published his own comprehensive presentation of the faith, what to believe, how to live, and how to uh, pray as Christ taught. Sure to be a classic for generations to come. Credo, Continuum, Compendium of the Catholic Faith offers a clear and readable summary of Catholicism as a whole. Given the pastoral style of the apostles, using simple and direct question-answer formats so popular among instructors, uh, internet search engines, Bishop Anthanasius Schneider shares a bold new articulation of timeless truths. Uh, and so, and there's a picture of him. He's a Latin Mass uh, person. He's spoken extensively against Pope Francis, um, he has uh, a couple people that are also conservative bishops and conservative theologians, uh, not even, I wouldn't say theologians, but that have uh, jumped on there and said, you got to get this. And so I thought I better find out and look about it. But some of the, the stuff he says is just totally wrong. It goes against Vatican II. And he's not a, again, I don't know him personally. I haven't read a lot of his stuff. I've just read when he joined the bandwagon with other bishops against the Holy Father and other people. And uh, so some of the stuff, he's purposely trying to get people to reject part of Vatican II. You know, when it comes to Muslims, uh, Vatican II says explicitly that uh, Muslims have the same... uh, leadership or come from Abraham and of course he says no that's not true he says the only people that are children of God are of course baptized Catholics he talks about the only ones that can be saved of course are baptized Catholics Christians most of them are schismatics or uh, it just goes on and on and on and so it's in a question and answer format and he does it but again people of God this is one bishop and we already have a catechism you need to read the catechism because some of his stuff is in direct uh, contradiction of the catechism. So it's one man's interpretation of the Catholic faith. And again, it can be a bishop we've had. Oh, I mean, again, if they can sit there and say popes can be wrong, we can absolutely say the bishops can be wrong, right? And they're the ones that sit there and call the pope wrong. So I'm absolutely can sit there and say a bishop's wrong. Absolutely. Now, the problem is, again, as I have said, and I've always went to defense of the Holy Father again and again and again, that the magisterium of the church is not one bishop's book. The magisterium of the church is the Pope and the bishops together. So when these people sit there and say, you know, it's like someone wrote to me and says, well, there's so much confusion in the world today. We need stuff like this to stop the confusion. And I said, it's books like this that create the confusion. Some one person giving their interpretation of what the true faith is. And it's wrong. It's not the true faith. It's their interpretation of the faith. So I would not waste my money on a book like this that tries to go and uh, re-determine the faith. And he does it by quoting, of course, uh, Trent and various things out of context when it puts in the fullness of the teaching of the church. And again, as I've talked before about the, the, the truth never changes, but our insight into the truth does. So Vatican II even says clearly that um, atheists can be saved if they're atheists through no fault of their own. Clear teaching of the church, according to Vatican II. Well, of course, this doesn't say that. So please, please do not jump on the hype of a book coming out that claims to have the faith. Huh? I think it's a, and of course, a lot of the book is truthful. Of course it is. Because when you're quoting the Catholic Church, you're going to quote mostly truth. It's only when it the agenda comes out that he has his own agenda to try to get the people to follow this particular type of Catholicism. That's why we always, always go to what does the magisterium teach? Because that's the only, the only, the only official teaching of the church is the magisterium not any one bishop now again some of you are going to go off the deep end with me okay and 
right? I've already went through this many times, you know, so nowadays it just, you say it, it's blocked, that's the end of it, you know, and I don't even see them anymore. So all that stuff you say nasty to me, my staff gets rid of before I even see it, just so you know, it's a, it's a wasted uh, energy on your part. But again, no, I got to make sure that as someone who is constantly preaching the truth of the faith, that I got to be preaching the truth of the faith and not my interpretation of the faith. And if I do give you an interpretation, I'll usually say that, that the teaching of the church is this, but my opinion is this. I don't say that often, but I make it clear if, uh, you know, years ago when John Paul II, when he put out that we should not, um, it's a very rare case, Francis went the next step, that we ever uh, do capital punishment. And boy, that did not sit with me well. I just thought, you know, these people would kill babies. And, you know, we're praying for all the people up in uh, uh, Lewiston, Maine, where I was there a year and a half ago. And I did for that, uh, all the Catholics there. I did a parish mission there for four days. Fantastic people in Lewiston. And so a guy's going around and killed 18 people and wounded 20-some or whatever, 30-some people. Like for these type people, um, to me, it was just like, okay, you're killing people. Um, you need to to uh, be sent home to God. We'll give you absolution before you go. Um, but that's not the teaching of the church. That's my opinion. And there might be a lot of you that say, I like that opinion. Well, that's very nice if you like that opinion or if I like the opinion. But my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is what the church teaches. I don't have to agree with it, but I must believe it. So, when anybody starts coming up with their own agenda for the faith, it just drives me crazy, especially they bring this out because these uh, crazy people have been going against the synod and they say it's, uh, you know, and again, people are like, you, you, you support the synod, Father? Yeah, of course I support the synod. I support the Holy Father. Of course I do. Well, I, now I'm going to, I have to think whether I trust you now, Father. Okay. If you're going to trust people you read on the internet and you're going to trust these little uh, paragraphs that come out from uh, people that say kind of stuff, okay, if that's what your theology is, go for it. But I'm going to stay in the boat of Peter. I'm going to stay in the magisterium of the church because in the long run, that's what's going to last. All these other people are going crazy and even though they're popular for a while, Eventually, things come out. Again, as we talked about a little bit ago, all the people that are saying this priest is such a great holy priest and he calls for the death of the Holy Father and the hope he rots in hell forever. Huh. The true colors came out. Eventually, all these people that want to put their own focus on what Catholicism is, their true colors come out because of the arrogance, because of the pride, because not one of these people speak with humility. And again, the only thing the devil cannot imitate is humility. So when all these people come and say, and I just think God's in heaven, say, oh, so now you're telling everybody who I'm sending to hell, are you? Huh, isn't that something? <laughs> you know, it's just like, I think that I'll let God be God, you know, and God can do it anything he wants. If at the end of time, God says, I'm going to let everybody come into heaven, praise you, God, you do whatever you are, God, you do whatever you want. I am not going to tell God how he works, you know, about uh, what, who, who he judges, who he damns for all eternity. The church has never, ever said who is damned. We only say who's in heaven. And infallibly, the uh, teaching of the church, when we declare someone canonized, uh, not beatified, but canonized, that that person is in heaven. We declare that solemnly as truth. But we have never declared anyone in hell. Huh? We've said you can go to hell if you, if you do certain things. But again, no. So I just wanted to get ahead of this. Um, if people are asking me, what do I think about it, Father? Well, I, I, I don't know if everybody... Uh, gets how I feel about that book. Do you, you understand? Do you get it? <laughs> I'm usually pretty easily, I pretty, it's pretty 
easy to know where I'm from. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you or do anything else. I'm not going to say, oh, make your own, you know. And again, if you want to get the book and read it, you of course you make your own decision. I'm just telling you why I don't uh, agree with it, and uh, it's not the fullness of the, the faith. It's an interpretation of the faith. Okay, now that I got everybody mad at me, now we can um, begin and start taking questions. So, Harry, how are you, Harry? It's good evening. Of course, he's in France. Uh, Father and all, it's coldish and raining, so the wood burner is working overtime, and I'm feeling blessed. Good job, Harry. You should see here, it's an Erie PA, and it's 75 degrees today. The sun is out. It's a beautiful day. It's like... Anybody tell anybody that this is the end of October? It's supposed to get cold later on. They've been working on the snowblower uh, today. So uh, this is Erie PA, so it could change in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. Um, but anyway, so um, hi, Harry. I'm sorry it's coldish and raining there. It'll happen there in a couple of days here. Evening, Bruce. Uh, goes well with today's gospel reading, lighting the wood burner. There you go. Hi, Father Larry. Hi, Julie. Paul and I are both praying for you and your church. Paul had a cold, and that is a very big deal in our house. He can be a bit dramatic. <laughs> oh, not just a body cold. Hey, why don't you two come to Poland with me? It's, uh, it's filling up fast. We only have like 40-some, and we have 24 uh, things who are over half filled. So again, any one of you, if you want to come with me next September, uh, 10th for 10 days, we're going to Poland and we're going to Krakow. We're going to uh, where John uh, Paul II, the Great, lived. We're going uh, to the Mercy Shrine. We're going to Our Lady of Czestochowa. It's going to be a fantastic time. So again, uh, only 40 some, that's one bus. We're living in it too. And so I just looked yesterday and we're up to 23 people. And so if anybody wants to go, don't wait and uh, miss the opportunity. So you two, you should come to Poland with me. Anyway, but everybody, I mean, again, we have a fine time when we travel. Harry, have you seen the video of French non-flattering environmentalist protester? Flattening. I have not, but I'm sure that'd be funny. <laughs> Good afternoon from California. Julie Ryan's from California, too. San Diego, one of my favorite places. Love prayers and thanksgiving, Father Larry, for everyone praying for world peace. Don't met whistle at the nuns. You got that. Hello from California. And Teresa, good to have you. Boy, we have a lot of California today. Um, so anyway, Father, why don't you teach the rapture from the lectern? <laughs> you're you're going to get it, Harry. Hi, Father Larry. I'm fearing overwhelmed by everything going on lately. I know everyone else is too, but it's been a struggle. I still know I'm blessed. I'm just very tired. Again, Chris, I think you can get tired, and all of us can, if we look at the situations and we look at ourselves and we look at our weaknesses, we look at all the garbage. But if we look at Jesus, again, do you think Jesus was tired when he was on the cross dying for all our sins? Yes, it was horrible. It was terrible. Everybody was crying. But he won. He conquered it all. And so we can look at the situations or we can look at Jesus. And again, what you think is what you feel. So if you feel that everything's out of control and you feel life's bad and you feel even all this garbage going on, excuse me, with the war between Pakistan and Israel and all this stuff and all the children dying, and it's horrendous. But Jesus always wins in the midst of it all. That's why when we try to make sense of the world, we try to make this world our home, we're constantly questioning. When we know that we were not created for here, we were created for heaven, then we can focus on God. And, you know, again, Jesus, one of his last promises, in the world you will have trouble. Promise, but have faith in me, for I have overcome the world. All this garbage now all this pain, all this killing, all this suffering. Jesus has overcome it now. As I've said a million times, like when we kill babies, which to me is still the worst thing we do on this earth, kill unborn children. We put a period and God puts a comma. God takes those children and gives them eternal life. Of course, unless you're 
one of those people again writing that uh, that book on credo no none of those kids could go to heaven they have to all go to limbo and limbo according to the tradition of the church was a part of hell there's a natural happiness there but you're still separated from god and if that's who god is the god of love that would condemn innocent children forever and ever and ever i don't want to follow that god i don't want any part of that god you know that isn't the god that has been revealed that left heaven while we were still sinners became a man struggled and then was killed by us to save us from our sins again as we read in romans just like none of us deserved original sin and paul was very clear especially if you'd have heard me uh, two days or three days ago during the homily it became a a uh, one of the short reels but it says by one man all of us have died and by one man the righteous one all of us have been redeemed so we're all redeemed through and in jesus christ so we're not trying to get around jesus at all it's just like everybody was born into original sin because of Adam, and everyone is redeemed because of Jesus Christ. Now you have to re- receive that re- uh, redemption. So when the Holy Father just canonized the family and uh, beatified the family, and one of the children was a stillborn, and uh, they say, well, of course that stillborn cannot go to heaven. They have to go to limbo. So when the church is saying through its magisterium, no, 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 um, that child, baptism of desire, they get to go right to heaven. And again, when we start making those type, and it isn't, don't you dare say it's Jesus doing that. Oh, Jesus works through us. He does when we're together. Not when one person goes their opinion over everybody else. So we got to make sure. So again, I'm just, you know, when people start like this, I just think, is everybody nuts? Is everybody really nuts that the God of the universe just condemns children to hell for all eternity? Stop it, stop it, stop it. I mean, again, I would, that today I would leave the Catholic Church if that was reality, that the God of the universe condemns unborn children to being naturally in limbo forever. That is just stupid, horrible, and John Paul II moved beyond that, and he kept been very clear about that, and the teaching from that. And these people, really, who think those type things about God, shame on you shame on you to sit there and think that God is so petty because God is not petty. God is love. And the only one that thinks that type are the people who are Pharisees that have no knowledge of intimacy with the loving father of the universe. They only follow the rules. They only sit there and try to do philosophy in their head. They've never had an experience of Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of stuff we got to fight against. We got to say no, no, no. Because they go and they scream and they yell and they carry on and they push this stuff. And someone got to look back and say, no, you're wrong. Stop it. It's not of God. Stop it. You know, and it's like, okay, well, if I, you know, and so, and they'll look at me and say, well, you're not following teaching at church. I think I am following the magisterium of the church. And I don't know why I'm going so crazy today, but anyway, kind of, it's crazy. We have to stay focused on Jesus. So there you go. Tony, praying for all those in Israel. Absolutely. And uh, I'm glad we could visit in May when things are calmer. Yeah, me me too. Have you heard of any of the Christians we met? Um, I have not. Um, But uh, Gaza is not part of, I don't think, Bethlehem's another part, Bethlehem. Again, they see, see how they treated the, the people in Bethlehem. Um, there's plenty of, there's nothing to okay what Hamas did with uh, uh, innocent children and people. But there's a lot of blame to go around for this war. You know, and there just is. None of us can ever say everybody is just, this is the right, this is the wrong. But, we can always say that killing uh, children and uh, raping them and ra- all those stuff that uh, they did on October or whatever day it was was totally evil, absolutely. But we got to make sure we don't fight evil with evil. We conquer evil with good. So again, we got to just watch when everybody just 
goes off the deep end and says everybody needs to be killed or everything like that. No, we don't. That ain't the way God sees things. And again, we got to be looking with the heart of God, the eyes of God, that there isn't one person God created whom he doesn't love. And when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, that's what he tells us. Huh? That doesn't mean we don't defend ourselves. That doesn't mean we don't do this stuff. Of course, of course we do. You know, again, with that man killing everybody in Lewiston, if someone was there with a gun and they could stop him, they could kill that man justly so he would stop killing innocent people. That is a just reality. So we're not talking about we're just being pacifists and laying down. We're talking about just aggression to stop somebody from killing somebody. But we don't go kill a lot more people because someone uh, did what they did. So we got to always find that, uh, do I have the heart of God for this? How does God see all these conflicts? And again, it's easy for me to sit there and spew off behind this microphone sitting here in my nice place when it's a nice day outside. But knowing that uh, if this breaks our hearts, think how much God's heart is broken for every child, for every woman, for every innocent old man and woman who's killed on both sides. So let's pray for the heart of God and let's pray for peace in the world. Okay. How's Father Pat doing? Um, I know he was awake. He, um, I think he ruptured his spleen. He was in ICU. That's all I know. I haven't heard, which is a good thing if you don't hear uh, usually, uh, but I don't know. And we want to make sure that we... Uh, uh, we pray for him, but we, you know, we have to make sure HEPA laws and everything else that uh, we don't uh, do too much. Anything I can do with that, which is public knowledge, and say just keep praying for him, huh? Okay. Did you see my email about the website where I have a fix for your issue with the header when people click on like? See, I'm having someone taken over on Monday where we have. Um, Someone's going to take over the website. I was just looking at it today, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago to so someone in my parish. Um, it's a, a 16-year-old kid and his father are going to take it over and uh, revamp it because I just haven't had the time uh, throughout this uh, last year, really. So, okay. Uh, also, if people are doing, going to do what you did to Jesus, you're, you're doing something right. Yeah, there you go. Truth. I am from Derry Island, Ireland. Nice to meet you, Truth. Good to have you. Chris, you said to me, Brooks instead of Mel Gibson and Braveheart. There you go. And now I can't stop thinking what that would have been like. Whee! I kept missing you, Father, because off uh, time zones. I know, it's hard. I love Ireland. I was in Ireland, invited over twice for a men's conference and for the, for the time I spoke in Glock McNoise. But some of them thought I was too hard. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> I've never been asked back. So it's like, uh, and I'm uh, most, uh, you know, I'm German because of my grandmother, but I'm also, most of my lineage is Irish. So it's just funny. I'm an Irish-German. Oh, what a combo that is. Okay. Uh, keep missing. It would have been hilarious. Yeah, it would have been. Bishop cannot be above the Pope. You got that right. Hello, Father. Pope Francis has asked to fast to pray tomorrow, October 27th. Correct. I, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up and I uh, almost forgot. But uh, for peace in a world, uh, and it's a fast of the whole day, you can fast. It doesn't have to be a fast of the whole day. It's a praying tomorrow the whole day. I'll be working at my house tomorrow. Uh, but you can fast by, you know, giving up a meal, giving up in between meals. Uh, you can fast on bread and water tomorrow. You can fast from TV or the Internet. There's lots of ways of fasting. Um, so, but I think tomorrow for all of us to join our Holy Father to pray for peace in the world, huh? not just with Israel and Pac uh, not Pakistan, but uh, Gaza, uh, Palestinians, uh, uh, but also from Russia and um, the uh, people, around, oh my, you know, all that stuff. The world, and it's just not there. I mean, in Africa, they're having great wars. 
There are great wars and great uh, people who are dying all over the world, not just in Afghanistan and all these places. And again, God's heart is crying. So when the Holy Father asked all the people of God, he didn't only ask Christians, he asked all people of goodwill to fast and pray for tomorrow for peace. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, now again, some people would say, no, 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 we don't. <laughs> like, again, I had someone who came to me once and yelled and screamed because I said, we got to love ISIS, the people of ISIS. And, ah, it's disgusting. We're called to kill the people of ISIS. Okay, I, mean, I get it. But, again, when are we going to have the heart of God? When are we going to have the heart of God? When are we going to have the heart of God? I would rather have pure, have pure blood with the Pope and drink mere wine with the enthusiasts. There you go. Oh, jeez. Luther's works. Prayer and blessing to you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Hi, Father. God bless you. Good to see you, Steve. Uh, Audrey, hi, everybody. Hi. I like you because you say it like it is. Yes. <laughs> it's the Irish-German in me, truth. Anyway. Um, the world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Michael Wolf, how about a trip to Medjugorje? I've been to Medjugorje uh, two or three times. Three times. Um, again, I, I, you know, different places I like to go. I really liked England. I'd like to get a tour over to England again. Um, uh, more of a religious tour, even though uh, there's some great places over there. But they didn't treat uh, us good in Ireland in any way, shape, or form. But there's still a lot of history there. Um, the babies and called by God. Our God has them beside him on his lap. You got that. Father, is it okay to be stuck on living his will? I've surrendered. Open my mind and open my heart. Just feels like I'm dangling. Any advice? Yes. You got to shut up and listen more to God. Huh? In your prayer in the morning, you just make sure you're spending time with him. You're letting him speak to you through his word. And after you, you know, again, I just had spiritual direction. One of my kids was going to seminary today. And I says, if you're going to hear God's voice to do his will, you have to listen to his voice every day in prayer. Huh? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Well, how do you hear the voice of God? Well, it's through his word. So it's spending time in his word every day. Again, as I tell you before and how I'm hoping that most of you are doing something like this, but no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. So this morning... I woke up at 3.54 in the morning as uh, back up to my early times again. And so the Bible's sitting there. I pray the Holy Spirit speak to me. And I didn't like what he said to me this morning. <laughs> but I knew it was from God because he hit me over the head with a two by four. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Huh? Excuse me. So... All those things, I am not sometimes. And so when God hits me over the head and says, I want you to be patient, to be kind, to not be jealous, to not brag. Huh? Me? And to not be arrogant. My nickname in seminary is Proud, Arrogant, and Aggressive Richards. Can you imagine? So when God says that first thing in the morning that I heard his voice and that uh, I've been talking to him about it all day today. And so when I get strong and when I get all these other things, I got to make sure that I'm doing it in God. Huh? So listen to his voice every day in prayer in the word of God. So make sure the first thing you do every day is go to his word. Um, make sure you, once you write that down, you go back to it all day. So you're listening to him. Okay, God, what are you telling me? And so if you're listening to him every day, then knowing his will becomes more and more obvious. Huh? Um, it just does. So, uh, just keep going with it. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Our God is pure love. You betcha. Exactly. Exactly. God, the, the opening line of my uh, new book on the Lord's Prayer is, we are created by love to be love in a world that doesn't know love. And again, that sounds very unlike Father Larry. Is right? correct. It sounds very uh, la-la. But love is giving up your life for somebody, so it's the exact opposite. It's about seeing people as God sees them. You know, so like this bishop and the ultra-conservatives will hate the whole first chapter because 
when we talk about the first principle, it's called the love principle, and it's the focus on our, that I must love everyone without condition, that everyone is a son or daughter of God, and I am a brother or sister of God because of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ died for everybody to make us a family. So um, everybody is God's calling constantly, and so the day that we get adopted by God uh, at baptism and that, he wants to bring everyone into that faith. But it doesn't mean that he didn't already pay and redeem them. They have to receive what he did for them. But they're already beloved to him. And he wants them to be saved. And instead of telling people, oh, no, you're not a child of God. I am, of course. Can't you tell? We got to stop that <laughs> stupidity. Anyway, here we go. The sad you sees. There you go. They're so sad you see. You got it. Truth. Audrey. Hi, Father. What's A1C in weight loss? We can't physically attend Oktoberfest, but we were involved in ministries. Your ads were terrific, and we love Joe, too. Glory to God. Um, my A1C has been fantastic. I'm down to 6.5. I was 12.5. It's all because of this uh, Mangiarno. And so I'm, I'm pretty steady now at 180. Uh, for my weight, you know, I was getting down to 177, but now I'm 180, and that's, uh, you know, my sugar's been well contained by God's grace with this new medicine. Okay, afternoon, Father Larry. Uh, okay, pray for the people in Maine. We got that. We've been praying. I was praying at the, right when I woke up, and I went and um, I went to post my uh, scriptures in the morning, and I heard that uh, I saw one of the things that some all these people were killed and I said what was that and so then I found out what it was so we start praying very early this morning father tell Justin we enjoyed him he's a hoot he's he's my third cousin yeah there you go Therese there was a horrific murder nearby and a woman was killed I don't know her but my heart goes out to her I can I can't get her out of my mind. I prayed for her soul. Anything else I should do? If you want to be very specific, say a Divine Mercy Chaplet for her. Find out what her name was and then say, because of sorrowful passion, have mercy on her and on the whole world. If you don't get to find her name, just you can say what I just said. Because of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on her and on the whole world. God knows who it is. And you're just focusing the mercy of God on that person. And that is so, so important. Okay. So I don't see any more questions there, so I have some here on from people writing in. Mike on YouTube, please explain to me how Jesus would get a tattoo. <laughs> For some reason, anyone is asking the wrong question about tattoos. We are supposed to be imitating Jesus. The question to ask is, how far should you go to be willing to imitate Jesus? Well, Jesus also was a celibate who never had sex. So are you going to imitate Jesus in that way? Jesus also owned nothing. He was a man of poverty. Are you going to imitate Jesus that way? So you can't just sit there and say, well, Jesus never did that. So we can't do that. Uh-uh. It's about, and when they quote the thing from Leviticus, again, they talk about the, uh, you can't, um, can't eat bacon either. When I was in Rome, guess what I got right here? I'm not in Rome, when I was in the Holy Land. See what that is? Is that a tattoo? They told me not to show anybody. Now you get me irritated. So I got a tattoo. And what is the tattoo? The tattoo is of the Jerusalem cross. And it was from the place the crusaders you to get. The crusaders who fought against and tried to save the uh, Holy Land. They, the place it does it is from the 13th century. Bishops, priests, all kinds of people have got it. Huh? Father Michael Smith put out a whole thing against tattoos. Then he went to the Holy Land and got a tattoo, and then he had to change his things. I've always not spoken against them because my father had a tattoo, and ever since I was a kid, I always wanted a tattoo. And so I would never get anything on my body which did not glorify God. And so this glorifies God. Remember uh, when uh, uh, in the book of Revelation, it says, go around and put a towel on everybody's head to show the marked. That's the cross that was put on the head. So I have the cross put on my arm. Now, it's interesting that um, though the exorcist, of, uh, the exorcist of Rome, he's dead now, but someone had quoted, I saw it, it says, the devil told him that anytime anyone gets a, 
um, tattoo. The devil told him the devil loves it because he's in the ink. Doesn't matter what you get a tattoo of. Now, first of all, it came from the devil. And uh, the devil is the father of lies, in case you were wondering. So when I prayed about it and I got this tattoo for people, who, you know, so people are going to sit there and say, ah, oh, Father Larry, it's another thing. See, see, okay. You make all the judgment you want, but I did it to glorify God in my body. Huh? And so, uh, you know, I got it when, what, four months ago, and there were 71 of us that went to the Holy Land and about 25 got tattoos, and uh, most of them women, as a matter of fact, and they got the tattoos here. I would never do that, uh, but anyway, um, so I was going to do it quietly, you know, and just, I went by myself. I was just going to have it done, and then when I'm there, there's all these people that was on the pilgrimage with me there, too, and so while I'm in there getting the, the tattoo, they end up paying for it. Oh, jeez. And as I'm thinking through this, all this thing, okay, and I was praying about it the whole time. It was the, the second to last day before we left the Holy Land. And uh, people have been getting them going to the Holy Land to show they've done a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And some people get it every time they go, and they'll get the dates underneath that. Uh, one of our newly ordained priests has the same one. He has it on his arm. And underneath he has... Uh, IHS, the name of Jesus, that when we sit there and we, again, we're arguing about tattoos and all this stuff and we're judging one another, that there are people killing each other, there are people that are fighting over the rapture, there's people fighting over all kinds of crazy stuff. And you can fight over all that and feel very justified when you do it. But you gotta sit there and know that God is so much bigger. And you should be more concerned about bringing people to the fullness of the truth than judging people who have tattoos. Huh? So, for all the people now, they can sit there and say, See, we know Father Larry's devil. He's a devil himself. He got a tattoo. Ah! And he did it after he did a pilgrimage. To glorify God in my body. God has us all tattooed in his name. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. I like you, Truth. That's very good. See the Irish. Ah, good. Anyway, so again, so if you're going to sit there and say that we're not asking the right question, Jesus, would Jesus get a tattoo? I think he would, as a matter of fact, if they did it, and it was to glorify his father. In fact, if I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, not the movie, I have a picture in our youth uh, thing up in my, the, uh, at our church. There's four pictures of Jesus. And the one with Jesus, he's pulling up his arm like this, as a matter of fact, and he has a tattoo, Jesus does. And you know what the tattoo says? Father. I just love that. It's like, yeah, Jesus would have a tattoo that says Father. Ah, perfect. But again, if you don't agree with it, great. But don't waste all your time judging everybody who got it, especially now that I got it. It's just kind of like... Uh, uh, trying to again i didn't do it to to meet people where they are i didn't do it for any other reason but to glorify god and if people don't think i glorify god well that's a great judgment on your part but i know when i stand before him on judgment that what i got on my body wasn't makeup wasn't doing my hair it was the sign of his cross that if i'm somewhere and these radical muslims come and uh sit there and they look at my arm and they say you're a follower of jesus i am well you're gonna die i will i can't hide it this is what it is right it's kind of like in the old testament how did you always know a male jew they were circumcised they had the seal of circumcision on them huh so again you got to watch when you just pull things out of the Bible. But if Jesus, with Jesus, the question is, we have to be just like Jesus. Yep. And again, I am. I'm a celibate. I've been a celibate my whole life. Uh, you know, so if that's the, the thing it is. So again, there's a lot of things and you start throwing that out. We got to be like Jesus. So anyway. Uh, Father, I had an earlier common question about the sound system in the church. It's irritating. You think so? It should be with 
me. It's very irritating. We're trying to get it. Uh, uh, I know we're getting it. Uh, they're coming tomorrow. They think because it happened in another church too, they have to re-find a frequency. But we know, so <laughs> please don't tell me things that I already know. It is very irritating. Um, you can offer it up for the poor souls, so that would be very good. Or you, if you really want to offer it up, offer it up for Father Larry's sins. That'll take a lot of suffering on your part. So my son died in Africa, and by the time he got home, my son died in Africa, and by the time he got home, it was his tattoo that let us know that it was him. Sorry to hear that. I'm glad he, you could identify him, but I'm just sorry to hear that your son died. Sorry. Our souls are tattooed when we receive the sacraments. You got it. Love and God bless. <laughs> love and God doesn't depend on tattoos. Love of God doesn't depend on tattoos. You're 100% correct, but it doesn't get hurt by tattoos either. That's the point. The point is we got to stop judging other people and thinking we know the way God thinks. That's the point of all of this. So you don't have to get a tattoo. I didn't get a tattoo till I was 63 years old. I'm old because someone says, you know, Father, what do you think is going to happen? That I'm already old. It's not going to do much. huh? And there was also a woman with us who was 70-some years old, and she got a tattoo the last day too. So again, it doesn't matter why you do what you do. Let's not be pharisaical about this. Again, People that do this, they're not focusing on Jesus. They're focusing on rules. We got to focus on Jesus and his commandment of love. Anyway, I'm just telling you, so you don't need one. Of course you don't need one. Never judge, Father. I'm not judging. That's why I'm trying everybody else to tell people not to judge. I'm not saying the whole thing. <laughs> ah, anyway, so again, but again, so... It's the people who are going to judge me. You know, my staff says, don't tell anybody online you got a tattoo. But then I start feeling like uh, I'm living a lie, and I don't like to live lies. You know, uh, if you haven't got it yet, I am who I am, period. People love it. People hate it. People think I'm all kinds of things. But this is who I am. So, sorry. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch me on the Internet. Maybe for my Estovir, I'll put a big tattoo up there with a cross. Huh? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Father, what do I do about the doubt if I'm truly hearing God's voice? Again, we talked about it earlier, In his will is our peace. Today, someone was talking about Father Schmidt put a thing, it's peace is true, but it also has to be clarity. And I, uh, you know, I've been going back and forth on that. And yeah, of course, like I have great respect for Father Michael Schmidt. He's a great kid. Um, and he has a great discernment too. And so I, I, I like that thing about what he said. We have to have discernment also. So, let's go on. From David, if I left, my, oh, this is uh, from the other day. If I left my wife and children for a younger woman and left my family, which is a mortal sin, can I stand before a priest with my new girlfriend for a blessing in my new relationship? <sighs> That's not what we're talking about when it talks about blessing people. We need to be able to bless anyone so they can come to repentance because God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. Huh? So, that uh, I have a friend of mine who was a murderer. He killed his wife and his, uh, his unborn son, beat her to death when she was eight months pregnant. Um, uh, he was only 19 years old, and she was, I think, 18 years old. And he went to jail for the rest of his life. And the priest come and talked to him about the mercy of God. And he told him, threw him out. He said, don't tell me I killed my wife and my daughter don't, or my son. Don't you ever tell me about the mercy of God. But he kept coming back. And he got the guy to go to confession. And he got the guy to come to repentance. And he talked about the love of God. And this man became a, uh, a great uh, outstanding prisoner. And then he had his sentence computated and he got out of prison. And then he became a Franciscan brother. Brother James Townsend who's been dead now a couple of years, but he was one of the best men I've ever met, and he was a murderer. That You know what? You're a murderer, and so am I. You have killed Jesus Christ with your sin, and so have I. And yet, the Father forgives us and loves us. 
So we must always, always come back to the reality that we are saved by what Jesus does for us. And we want everyone to repent and come to the knowledge of God's love. So God wants everyone to be saved, and we must do the same. And I didn't realize it was 4 o'clock. I've already ran out of time. Very sorry. i got to go see my shrink, you know, because I have issues. As some of you so clearly see, and later on when the people start putting all this stuff out and make the judgments, and they'll say, he has issues. Yes. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Pray for me. I love you, and I'm praying for you every day. Stay out of trouble, and we'll see you, God willing, next week. Mm -hmm.